Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and my thanks to John Paul for sitting in for me for the last uh, two uh, days. He's back taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103 and as we now know the Taoiseach yesterday announced further restrictions. It's seen as a last ditch effort to try to ensure that there's no lockdown before Christmas. Will it be enough? The political editor with the Irish Sun, Adam Higgins, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning, Patricia. Yes, a, a collective effort to stave off new restrictions or further restrictions is how the Taoiseach described it last night. And is there very much a sense of deja vu uh, about all of this? We're almost back to where we were last year. It really is. It felt like Groundhog Day yesterday in Dal and when news started to trickle through that we were closing pubs at 12 o'clock and that we would the work from home measure would be completely rolled back and and reintroduced, and it really did feel like deja vu on Groundhog Day. It's been, um, this is the fourth wave now of the pandemic, two years in this, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will feel it's a very bitter pill to swallow to have to do all this again, especially in the run-up to Christmas. And as you say, we're into the fourth wave. There was talk that the, we'd peak at the fourth wave about now, mid-November, but that's looking like that's been pushed out by at least another month. Yes, the latest Neffet modelling the teacher told us last night says that the peak of this fourth wave isn't due to hit until uh, late December. So that could be in and around Christmas. And we know already we're at 4,500 cases a day or in and around that. And the cases will continue to rise right through December. And with the situation in our hospitals already under pressure, I know several hospitals in Dublin have already cancelled some elective procedures. And we're looking at more of that across other hospitals in other counties and potentially an overwhelming of the uh, intensive care units. Uh, and a lot, all of this really is about protecting the health system. It is, it is indeed, yeah. So the situation at the moment is that ICUs have already over 100 COVID patients in them at the moment. That's just COVID alone. And this, the problem is that in January, when we were at a similar situation, you were looking at 2,000 people in hospital and about 200 COVID patients in ICU. But at that time, there was no other care happening in the country other than essential care and COVID care. The other things like, you know, surgeries and elective procedures, everything was cancelled. The health service say that they can't do that this time around. Things have been delayed too long. Care needs to happen. Care like cancer care, treatments like that. And so at the moment, you've got that happening at the same time as this surge. And this surge looks like it's going to rocket up hospital admissions and potentially overwhelm the ICU, which is what's really got the government concerned. 
And while yesterday, you know, as we mentioned, it was all about ensuring that we won't see a lockdown before Christmas, the Taoiseach and the Department of Health and Neffet, nobody is ruling out that there won't be further restrictions between now and Christmas. Is that fair to say? That's completely fair to say. The Taoiseach was asked this question six different ways last night. So he said, and one answer, he said that Neffet have advised that further restrictions may be required if this batch of restrictions doesn't battle back the situation in hospitals. The Taoiseach was asked directly, are we looking into a lockdown? Are we looking into further restrictions? And he says the government do not want to close any other businesses yet. So the situation at the moment looks like they've made this bet. They're, they're seeing how it plays out now for the next two to three weeks. If it works, brilliant, we'll stay at this situation for the next, probably right through to Christmas with the late that late bar uh, will probably stay right through Christmas and into the new year but if it doesn't work we're looking at further restrictions We're going to be talking actually with the Vintners Federation in a couple of minutes on the programme the the curfew of midnight is effectively closure for nightclubs and late bars isn't it? It is and the Dieter last night at the press conference confessed that it effectively does close nightclubs and it's a particularly difficult one for nightclubs who have been closed for so much of the pandemic. They opened up just 27 days ago, 28 days ago now, and they've been asked to close again. And I spoke to several uh, people who work in the in the nightlife economy last night when when all this the restrictions were announced, and they were completely devastated. They can't understand why they're being made the scapegoat. They have the vaccine passes. There hasn't been any new data to say that there's been super spreader events in nightclubs, and they don't know why they are being punished for this new wave. And on top of that, what they really wanted to see was if the government are going to do this to them, then they need to bring the pandemic unemployment payment back up to €350 for the staff that are affected. But last night, the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, told the press conference that the PUP will not be reinstated. There's no plan to do that. And when asked what the nightclub workers who lose their jobs are supposed to do, she said there's lots of other opportunities out there. Opportunities to go out and work somewhere else. Exactly, yeah. Basically, the government are telling people who work in nightclubs and lose their jobs due to this curfew that go and find a different job. That will go down like a lead balloon, I take it. I, it's, I, it last night when I spoke to those um, nightclub workers, they, they, these were kind of more promoters and organisers. They were devastated by it. They can't believe the government is leaving workers like this left in the run-up to Christmas at a time when they may have bought presents, they have mortgages to pay, and the government are leaving them saying, look, there's loads of jobs out there. And Heather Humphreys pointed specifically to the hospitality sector, saying that there's, she had been in so many restaurants and cafes with staff wanted signs up and that there's opportunities out there. But, I mean, you try telling a full-time DJ that, look, why don't you go work in the kitchen of a, of a restaurant? It's, it's a very difficult thing to say. Yeah, yeah. and return to the office, Adam, is, is that now abandoned? It is. That's completely abandoned. The return to the office had been supposed to roll out on a phased basis over the Christmas. And straight from the get-go with that measure, it kind of got a bit muddled. And the government said, well, 20%, 50%. And it was a slow, weird rollout that never really took hold. And straight away, the government are rolling back on that completely. And it's back to the old situation that we've had for the past year, where people, workers are asked to work at home uh, full-time, where possible. So unless you absolutely necessarily have to go into the office to do your job or go into your workplace to do your job, then you should stay at home and work from home. Okay, and the COVID passes, we knew that there was going to be an extension of the COVID passes, but 
just for theatres and cinemas, which, by the way, can I say, I thought that they were already being used in theatres and cinemas. But anyway, uh, they, 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 they weren't, but they will be now. But not gyms and hairdressers. That's right, not gyms and hairdressers. The situation was kind of tinkered with a little bit. So you're right to say that most uh, cinemas and theatres did have the vaccine pass system in place, but there was an option in the last batch of advice that if you, you if you weren't going to use the vaccine pass, you could have a limited capacity in your theatre and allow unvaccinated patrons in. That's been scrapped altogether, and now everyone that goes to the cinema or the theatre must be, have a vaccine pass and show that they have the vaccine. So it's kind of a little tinkering on that one. It's not really the... we It had been kind of flagged that this might be used in hairdressers and gyms and that sort of thing, but the government decided not to push ahead with that. Uh, but, but they, um, yeah, and because there was a lot of opposition to it as well, wasn't there from the hairdressing sector and, and from gym owners? There was, yeah, and I, I think understandably so. It's a difficult measure and I don't think it's something that you can roll out overnight. And If you speak to the, the restaurants and bars that are working here, it, it does take up time, it takes up staff time. You have to have someone at the front door there checking these sort of things. So it's a difficult thing to roll out overnight, but I wouldn't be surprised that if two or three weeks' time the this uh, batch of restrictions doesn't work to fight back the the current surge and the current situation in the hospitals. I wouldn't be surprised if the government return to the conversation of a more wider use of those vaccine passes. Yeah, a couple of comments coming in. Somebody said, with regard to the early closure of uh, nightclubs and late bars, are, are they telling us that the vaccine doesn't spread before at midnight? No, I don't think that's what they're going, going to say. And somebody else says, could you ask Adam, what about antigen tests? They're very expensive at the moment. Are they going to subsidise the cost of antigen tests? That's a great question, and it's one I put directly to the Taoiseach last night myself when uh, when the microphone came around. And the Taoiseach said that they do have a plan uh, being prepared to subsidise antigen tests. So, what from what I understand is they're going to be made available in pharmacies, and they'll be made for available for a couple of euros is what's been the, the phrase that's been knocked about. So, whether that's two or three euro, we don't know. We know at the moment the antigen tests are about eight euro. This plan, though, has been in the works for a little while now. And it's several ministers across governments keep flagging it up, and yet we have no data about when it's going to come and in place and work. And the Taoiseach last night said that there is concerns among public health officials that people that there's not enough communications campaign around antigen testing, and that people are using them in the wrong situation and mightn't be using them correctly. So this is what's delaying it. Public health concerns about how people will use them and when people will use them is delaying that antigen test plan to to make them cheaper. Because they have been sending them out free of charge to date to close contacts. They have, and that's actually something else that changed yesterday and will come in in today, is that previously, if you were a fully vaccinated person and you came, uh, you were then designated a close contact to a confirmed case of COVID-19, you would have to take three of these antigen tests. And you, but during that time when you were taking the three antigen tests, two days apart, you didn't have to restrict your movements. Now, anyone in the household contacts, regardless of your vaccination status, will have to restrict their movements for five days alongside these antigen tests. Now, the problem with the antigen tests that come from the HSC is the delay in getting them there. And I have actual personal experience of this in the past couple of weeks. I was a close contact and I'm fully vaccinated. And I was waiting for the HSC's antigen test, but it wasn't until six days after I got well. the text that this te- this um, test came in the door. So like, there is a bit of a gap there. And I think the HSC have a, a body of work there to make that situation quicker or 
or fix how people get them tested into their hands. Yeah, we had to get a box of them into our house uh, last week. It took about three days, I think, from when we got the word to say that they were arriving. But luckily we had antigen tests at home that uh, we were able to use. But what I can't understand is why they just can't send a code and you go to your chemist with the code and let the chemist give you your antigen tests. Because at the end of the day, we're coming to the busiest time of the year for the post office. And we're now going to ask them to start delivering antigen tests. You're right, and that's a very good point that uh, will have to be raised with government. And specifically on antigen testing, there is a big clamouring, I feel, across all sectors to get these out into the public and let's get using them. And a lot of people pointing to the UK where they're completely free and they have that situation that you said there where you can walk into a pharmacy and they'll give you a box of seven for absolutely no price, no questions asked. Here you go, do your tests, uh, be responsible sort of thing. But in Ireland, the government seems... uh, very keen not to set them out for free. So they seem to point at the, the UK as a, an example to use, but they don't want to take this free antigen test policy from them. So instead, they're going to use this uh, subsidised policy, which the Minister of Health said this morning could cost several hundred million euro. Yeah, I, I heard him earlier say that they're very, the antigen tests are very expensive. So for that reason, they're certainly not going to go down the UK way of giving them out free uh, for everyone. But one thing they are giving out free is the boosters. The vaccine booster campaign to be extended. Is there any, a couple of people I can see by text saying, does Adam have any timeline on when they're going to be administered? The boosters, yes. So the T-shirt did wrote, uh, make available some data yesterday about when they expect people to be uh, getting their booster jabs. So the situation is a bit trickier this time out when they're rolling out the vac- the, the booster jabs than it, than it was for the first vaccine because you, you're not eligible or you, you can't get that booster jab until six months after your second jab. And we know for a lot of people, say, in their 60s who received the AstraZeneca jab, there was a big gap between doses. So they may not have got their second dose of AstraZeneca until... August and so if they have to wait a little longer before they get this booster jab. Now the age group groups they're working down through at the moment, the over 80s are largely done and then they're going through the over 70s at the moment which they said they'll have finished by the end of the month and then into the over 60s that's with the caveat that there is a large section of that over 60s group who will have the AstraZeneca situation and may have to wait longer and then they're moving down into the over 50s which they hope to have done before the end of the year so at some stage in December those in the over 50s who are eligible after having their second dose six months ago we'll be able to get the, the booster jab. Yeah, because I can see a number of texts coming in from people in their 50s saying they're nearly at the six months. Uh, somebody saying, I had my second dose at the uh, the middle of June. Somebody else said, I had my second dose at the beginning of June. So I'm at the six-month mark. So going by that, again, the over 60s are going to lose out. The, the over 50s will be done ahead of the over 60s. In some situations, yeah. yes, the over 50s will be done uh, ahead of the over 60s. And also another cohort that the, the government are going to work down through, the HSE are going to work down through, is people with underlying conditions. And that's people aged from 16 up underlying conditions that have been given the green light for that booster jab. So they'll also be getting an in and around. But the government hopes to have as many people as they can done before Christmas. But I can imagine this will extend into January a little bit. And the vaccine task force that we saw work so well on the first vaccine campaign has been reinstated as of yesterday to oh, roll, out the, oh, okay. roll out the booster campaign. <laughs> All right. So that means some of the vaccine centres will probably reopen again. Yes, so they're really going to ramp it up. And there was even talk of bringing the Defence Forces back in to 
uh, help the booster campaign as we know they did logistics wise with the force vaccine campaign. Okay, any talk of everybody over the age of 12 getting a vaccine as uh, as we're already seeing Israel is the kind of the poster boy for, for vaccines. They've done everybody over the age of 12 with the booster. Yes, there was two points on that. So the Tanish Dilevraker wasn't at the the press conference last night, but he did say he's at a he's at a foreign trade exhibition in Dubai, and he did speaking to Virgin Media yesterday. He said that he anticipates everybody over the age of twelve or that's eligible for a vaccine at the moment will be given the green light to get that booster jab. But we have to wait for the NIAC advice to do that. So then the Taoiseach last night said that he expects these booster vaccine camp. Uh, these booster vaccines for COVID-19 to probably become an annual vaccine in the way that the flu vaccine is at the moment. And he said that the government won't be changing their policy of looking towards our own National Immunisation Advisory Committee because people need to know that NIAC are looking at these, looking at all the safety um, issues on them and making sure that they're safe for people to have at whatever age. So we're going to wait for NIAC to keep working down through the age group. But I know at the moment, the next category that NIAC are looking at are anybody who has received the J&J vaccine, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, because there's evidence from the US that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, might the efficacy of that might wane a little quicker. So that's the next group that NIAC are looking Cause at. Because that's a one do- that was a one dose, wasn't it? That was the that was the one, one dose, dose from yeah. the US. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when we're talking about curfews on the bars, somebody said, could you ask Adam, please, bars and music at a wedding? Does that have to finish at midnight? Yes. So the Taoiseach was asked this very directly last night and said, um, "Is there any any exemptions to this?" And he said, "All unlicensed premises must close." Now, I think the only exemption would be for the Wedding guests. The residence bar, yes, in a hotel would be the only exemption as far as I'm aware. Okay. But the likes right. of music and the, the party part of a wedding, I believe, is falls underneath this. Okay. And very, very finally, teachers are not exempt as close contacts. No, this in was a, a family situation. mess last yeah. night, this situation. <laughs> you couldn't make this one up. You really couldn't. You couldn't. So the, the uh, Labour leader, Alan Kelly, the Labour Party leader, said that he had a conversation off microphone in the doll with Taoiseach and he said that the Taoiseach told him that teachers would be exempt from this five-day restriction for close contacts rule. He then put this out on social media and there was a furore amongst teachers who were obviously furious saying, why in God's name are we being exempt from this? The Taoiseach was asked last night at the press conference, you know, what's this about? And he said it's completely not true. He never said this to Alan Kelly and that there's no exemptions for this. Alan Kelly remains adamant that the Taoiseach did say this to him, but he believes that the government have done a bit of a U-turn because of the uh, backlash from this decision. Mm. So it's it's a bit of a he said, he said sort of a situation. And it was kind of understandable at the time why it might have been considered because we have a shortage of teachers, sub-teachers, because so many teachers are out with COVID-related illnesses. So if you're to add a cohort that everyone has to stay at home for five days, we're going to have an, an even bigger problem when it comes to finding substitute teachers. Yes, and one thing that the government does want to bring in to help address the situation with schools and close contacts amongst pupils and that sort of thing is antigen testing. They say there is a plan to do an antigen testing regime, make them free for students in school and teachers, and yet we still don't know when this is going to kick in. We haven't seen any details about it, and the government just keeps saying it's coming shortly, but shortly has been going on now for several weeks. Yes, indeed. Listen, Adam, I appreciate that. A very comprehensive review of what happened yesterday. We'll speak again. In the meantime, look after yourself and stay safe.
Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. That is Adam Higgins, political correspondent with the Irish Sun. Can somebody clarify this for us, please? Somebody said, is it normal when you go for your booster vaccination jab that you're not given a vaccination card? You know, the vaccination cards we were given for the first and the second and they marked the second date on it. Uh, I don't know the answer to it because I haven't been for a booster jab yet, awaiting my turn. Uh, But if anybody else has been for a booster jab, is it normal that you don't get a new vaccination card? This person went to their GP surgery to get their booster jab but didn't get a vaccination card. I'm wondering, is that normal? And somebody else is querying the antigen tests and wondering, are the antigen tests worth it? I know of a person who did an antigen test last Thursday, repeated it on Friday uh, morning and both were negative. They even went to the doctor who told them, no, if it's just a flu, you've got antibiotics and was told to come and take hot drinks. This person wasn't satisfied, so she decided on Saturday morning she would book a COVID test. Went along and guess what? She was positive on Monday morning. The only thing I can tell you is the antigen test will only pick up when you're uh, fully contagious from what I can gather and I know we had an expert on do you remember a couple of weeks ago who was explaining it to us in the early stages of COVID at 19 you might be shedding enough to get picked up on the antigen test the same at the end when you come into the end of you know the 10 to 14 days you might get a negative antigen test that's why the PCR is the gold uh, standard that certainly I could say antigen tests worked in our house last week when I had to have Marsha tested because she was a close contact did her three Tests. She was negative on all of them. And then, of course, Friday night, guess what happens? She starts developing flu-like symptoms and was very unwell. Sort of Friday night into Saturday morning. I woke up on Saturday morning feeling a little bit like this, a little bit smothered, decided better better to be safe than sorry went along I then did an antigen test which by the way was negative but I decided we'd go I'd go away get the two of us tested we both couldn't get a test even though I was up early on Saturday out to the HSE couldn't get a test for Saturday they are so busy at the test centres got a test for Sunday morning for both of us and it was up in, in the test centre in Blackpool and extremely busy. I joined a queue of cars and I could see in a lot of the other cars there seemed to be a lot of family groups, children and adults, more than one getting tested uh, in the car. Uh, Certainly there was a lot of children getting tested on uh, Sunday morning and they were beyond kind when they realised Marsha was a special needs uh, person. They were just, they were really lovely. So we both got tested and then I got the test results back on Monday about 5 o'clock so a little over 24 hours uh, we were waiting for the results so certainly the antigen tests worked in our our household and I had another friend of mine who uh, whose husband had been uh, declared a close contact but didn't have any symptoms as far as I know anyway did an antigen test and it, it was positive uh, went along and PCR'd and uh, was confirmed uh, positive so I think it just depends on when you're actually doing the test and then there's another huge query going on at the moment are people actually doing the test right when I did it on myself you really have to it shouldn't hurt but you really need to almost tickle the top part of your nose it knows it's more it doesn't hurt is the wrong word slightly uncomfortable and they're reckoning now that there are a lot of people who are not actually putting the the thing that you need to shove up your nose that they're you're not people are not putting it up far enough and are not doing the tests uh, correctly but your friend was dead right when to err on the side of when they were unsure to go away and get tested so well done to your friend and hopefully uh, he or she makes a full recovery now can anybody this is completely non-covid anybody throw light on this for us please John has been on to us to say did anybody hear or does anybody know anything about a census on the Cork Kerry border he was driving to Killarney on Monday morning 
and they were stopped beyond Ballyvorney. There was some friends in the car with them. They were stopped beyond Ballyvorney and there was a big sign on the side of the road that said census. And there was Gardaí at this kind of like a checkpoint along with civilians stopping cars. So needless to say, John and his friends stopped the car to see what was going on. And uh, John felt what was being explained wasn't being explained very clearly to his friend who was driving the car and they wanted to know her air code where she was coming from and where she was going to and then off along their off along her merry way she went uh, but a bit of confusion I would have quizzed the life out of them if I'd been in that car John I'm telling you anyway somebody out there must know what it is there was a very large sign saying census there was guardy involved but there was civilians civilian members of the public obviously taking the detail about this census but in particular looking for people to find out where they're coming from where they're going to and their air code Anybody know what that's about? Let us know. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now the Vintners Federation of Ireland says the news that restricted trading hours are set to be reintroduced is hugely disappointing development for the many late night bars and nightclubs, many of whom will now be forced to shut just three weeks after reopening. Michael O'Donovan is chair of the Cork Vintners Federation and uh, Michael. Michael joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Is there a fear that some of these late bars and uh, the nightclubs, that this could be a death nail for some of them and they may, they may never open again? Yeah, it's a real concern, uh, Patricia. Yesterday was a, a really tough day for them because, you know, they only reopened on the 22nd of October. And, you know, just over three weeks later, uh, unfortunately, they're going to be gone again come Thursday night. And, you know, a lot of them had taken back st- staff, stock, etc. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, talking to some of them last night and today, they're they're just not sure what's going to happen, how long they're going to be closed. Uh, the feeling is it's probably going to be into the new year. So, you know, at that stage, barring a couple of weeks, they'll be closed for the bones of two years. And, you know, a lot of them are... are are, are going to be finding it very tough to come back from this. Yeah, and and talk, talk to me about the staff because the the pop payment is closed. It is. Uh, this is uh, one of the you know uh, the Taoiseach's comments last night. I think to our industry were very very disrespectful. You know when he said there's plenty of jobs out there. Um, you know anybody that's going to lose their job this weekend, you know, they can't go really go back on the pub payment because that's closed. So it's only job seekers you can go on to. And, you know, job seekers is 203 euros a week. So for a lot, that just won't be, you know, that won't be sufficient to meet their bills and meet their uh, meet their needs. So they will probably look at other industries, to be quite honest. And this will be another, you know, blow to our industry because some of these people are irreplaceable, you know, managers, supervisors, even floor staff, bar people, you know, these people, we've been crying out for the last number of months to get them. And here we are now again in a scenario where a lot of them will probably move industry. And that's effectively what the Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty, said, wasn't it? Like- yeah, it's it, it's it's 
just, you know, it's tough. And even outside of our, you know, directly hit, you know, the bars and the clubs, like you think of the, the late night entertainment uh, people, the, the the bands, the DJs, the DJ, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're all effectively out of uh, work now as well, because predominantly, you know, most bars would get them, you know, maybe from 10 to 12 or the late night venues up to two o'clock in the morning, uh, half two DJs uh, and bands and, you know, like, they're not going to be getting them now because it just won't be viable to get them in earlier, for, uh, it looks like it, for the next number of weeks. And you have the taxi drivers, like, I've great sympathy for them because a lot of them were, you know, went off driving delivery vans and different things uh, during the summer and they came back uh, as the late night entertainment opened up because something that's been said to us uh, a lot across Cork City, Cork County, is late at night it's impossible to get a taxi. Mm-hmm. But since the since the late night venues opened up, um, you know, a lot of taxi people came back to working in their industry, in the taxi industry. Um, and uh, like now with everything closing at 12 o'clock, a taxi driver that's sitting there for a couple of hours, he'll only get two or three fares from people because everybody will be gone within a half an hour or 40 minutes. So like he'll call into question, will they stay driving on the roads because of it, so it's it's a huge knock-on effect for for all industries. You know this, uh, the news of yesterday's announcements, and the the bars closing at uh, twelve midnight. Is there a danger that we could be back witnessing witnessing the scenes that, in fairness, we've seen before, particularly in cities, of huge crowds congregating on the street? Yeah, I, I look. I, I would think that the Gardaí will be far more prepared for it this time. Where last time it was new to them, this time I think they'll be prepared. So in those areas where people have congregated before, we've seen you know, um, like say in Cork City you now, where I can relate to the the courthouse steps. You know, they they put a um, a lot of Gardaí around there to make sure people don't congregate there. They move people on. Uh, they they did put up barriers uh, on one or two weekends. So places where people have congregated, I would anticipate that the Gardaí will uh, will be in force in those areas. And and look, I suppose we'd we'd be appealing to people not to congregate because that's what they don't want to happen at the moment. Um, but the only thing is, when we close at twelve o'clock, I think it's inevitable that people will go back to houses, uh, in the, especially in the run up to Christmas. And you know that's going to become a big issue. Yeah, and then traditional pubs like your own, uh, Michael, are they going to be affected by the decision yesterday? I mean, are you going to see perhaps less people heading out? I mean, this advice to avoid social gatherings. We've seen it already, Patricia, for the last two weeks. You know, um, business has taken a huge downturn for the last uh, two weeks, the last I suppose the last three weeks, realistically, since the long weekend, uh, talking to my, many of my colleagues across the city and county, it, they've, they've all seen it. And the messaging from the CMO and from the Minister uh, for Health, Mr Donnelly, you know, to reduce your social contacts, um, people will think twice about going out, unfortunately, and that will have a knock-on effect for, to us as well. But look, we're, we're, we're asking people to ask for their certs, to ask for their IDs, you know, to have your social distancing. So we're hoping people, when they will come in, will see. And, you know, the vast majority of people are doing that and have seen that the pub is a safe place to go, a restaurant is a safe place to go, to come out to socialise, because jobs depend on us for the next number of weeks. But there is a nervousness out there, Michael, particularly with the numbers, the daily numbers we're seeing. Yeah, look, we, we've seen this, uh, you know, the like like I myself would have a lot of, I suppose, senior uh, customers in the afternoon. And like we've seen them, they're all gone cocooning, <coughs> excuse me, since the uh, since the end of October. <coughs> 
excuse me, so like uh, I've been texting them and phoning a few of them and, you know, they are very nervous, but unfortunately that has a knock-on effect on business. And now the from Friday when people are asked to work from home, that will have a huge effect on business, be it in a, you know, a small town, village or into the city, you know, with less people out, you know, the tea, coffee, a scone in the morning, lunch, maybe a few drinks after work on an evening or two, that's all taken away now. So it's just a very negative story at the moment, which is very worrying. Okay, so what is it from the Vintners Federation point of view? Is it back to the government for more supports? Well, it it has to be at this stage because, you know, the EWSS, the Employment Wage Subsidy Scheme, uh, in two weeks' time is supposed to take the first step in the, you know, in the movement towards withdrawing it. So what we're calling on the government now is to keep that at its current level while these restrictions are in place. I know they're calling it a curfew. They're not calling it restrictions, but, you know, it's uh, it's still a cha- very challenging trading time. So we need to see that held because if that does change, it, it can only lead to one thing, and that will be more job losses because businesses won't be able to carry the financial burden of paying the extra wage. So we need to see that uh, uh, extended uh, and kept in its current form for the time being until we, we, we come out of these restrictions. And also for the businesses that are effectively closed, we need to see the reintroduction of the CRSS, the CRIS payment, because uh, they won't survive otherwise because they'll have no income. So they need some help to get through the, the next number of months, however long they'll be closed. OK, and that's it. It's however long. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. OK, listen, we leave it there. Uh, Michael, thank you for that. Look after yourself and uh, we will speak again. But thank you for joining us this morning. No problem, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Michael O'Donovan, chair of the Cork Vintners uh, Federation. Uh, Somebody says, has there been any restrictions on the numbers who can attend weddings? It's a joke, the mixing that goes on at a wedding. And remember, for people attending weddings, there's no vaccination check so they can be vaccinated and unvaccinated. And no, there's no, there was no uh, reduction in numbers announced uh, yesterday with uh, any of the restrictions that were announced. Weddings are going ahead as planned. 1853, 33103 John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie. And just staying on the lifting of restrictions that were announced yesterday Tim and Donnerell has contacted us. Good morning to you Tim. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. You're making the point that you just that people are just not happy and they change their mind all of the time. Well, I'd be very blunt with you, you know. I'm not going to criticise the government here at all. OK. And I'm starting now by one issue. I follow five issues here, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning them. OK, go on. We had a clear bottom show the other night on the television, OK? Yeah. And it came down about COVID and issues, and this should be done and that should be done. Now, in fairness, well, she put out two polls. Right? Mm-hmm. And the first poll was... Should the government put re- these restrictions in place? The poll came back at 60% yes. So right. people wanted the restrictions on Monday? Yeah, wanted the restrictions, right? Then she put out a second poll asking people, should it be, is it, are we actually coming down to personal responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And we got a result back of 70% no. What? Right? Yeah. Then we followed this. And we went on to the hospitals. And very few hospital beds, sir. Then it came out, two-thirds of hospital beds at present have been taken over by non-vaccinated people. 
who make up 7% of the population. Right? Yeah. Right. No. I, I, I will come back to that one in a minute, Joe. Then we had the government that did their best to lift restrictions a small bit. We had a rugby match last week. Full house. We had a soccer match last week. Big boast about the attendance of 50,000 people. Okay? Mm. Now we have the issue of the restrictions since last night. And we have, which I'm sorry for, actually, I am very sorry for businesses now before I say this. We've nightclubs now being hit, we've pubs being hit. We've and and the hit. workers and all of the yes. ancillary services that are attached to it. There's a lot of people suffering this morning because yes. of Yes. But there is one small issue. There's people supposed to be asking for vaccination cells going into nightclubs and going in here and going in there. Okay? Mm. No. There's a lot of people showing their vaccination cells on a phone. Okay? Yeah, and it can be anybody's. There is no other identification being demanded for if you're Mary Murphy or if you're Johnny Murphy going into a nightclub, there is your cert. Can you approve your Johnny Murphy? Yeah, I can see a number of people texting in saying, what can we do about people using false certs? Right? And also it about staff that are not, are not vaccinated. I know I heard, of a, I heard of a barman who was at the door of a large pub and he said to a young fellow standing there for contact tracing, will I put your name down as Michael, which is on your COVID cert, or will I put your name down as Sean, which is on your ID? And the young fellow looked him in the eye and said, you've caught me. Yes. So, yeah, but, but at least that bar was doing the right thing, but yes. all bars are not. But how many of those people going in with those vaccination cells are then vaccinated? And I'm going to say something on the air note that is not going to go down well with the general public, and I'm going to say it's stress. They're talking about hospital beds and the pressure on hospitals at present, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, put me in power tonight at 12 o'clock and I would have a start to buy one. What would you do? I'd tell you what I'd do, Patricia. I would tell every ICU in the country when a patient arrives, first question, are you vaccinated or not? In the event of you not being vaccinated, you're put on a waiting list. Well, if you, if you need an ICU bed, well, uh, Jim, Patricia, a waiting a list. No, we can all be going in we can be going, I am vaccinated. Yeah. That doesn't save me from needing an ICU bed. I know, I know. But are people honestly trying to tell people that I won't say what I'm going to say? Can, can people honestly say it just because I get it into my head that I do not agree with this vaccination, it's nothing else only a flu, it's nothing else only this, and it's nothing else only that, right? That I should take a bed from someone that's actually trying well, what, what about what they're doing in Singapore from the 8th of December? Anyone not vaccinated needing hospital or ICU treatment gets charged. You pay the full whack for it. 100%. You'd be in favour. All right, OK, listen, Tim, I'm up against oh, it. I have another break. Patricia, I just want to say something yeah, just Very quickly. We have thing there being shown every night about cases and this and that, all right? Yeah. One thing that must come back to be shown is the number of deaths yeah, that's a daily, that's number they, one. They've only been doing it on a weekly basis. And yeah. the other issue is when they're putting the deaths on, put the deaths, how many are non-COVID, are non-vaccinated? 
I don't know if they'll go down that route, but yeah, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it, would, it would show people. It would show people, yeah, for sure. Okay, listen, Tim, we leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us. That's Tim in uh, Donnerill. I need to take a break. We have news at uh, 11 on the way. In the next hour, we are going to be talking about insurance companies and the amount of money that insurance companies have made across the last year, and have they been exploiting customers? Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, there was just a couple of people on to us about water, uh, including Noel, who says, Morning, Patricia, water, water everywhere, and not a drop to drink in Castle Magna. Uh, do you know what's going on? Do you have a number for Irish water? And earlier still, uh, Louise was on to me, said, There's no water in Castle Magna. Louise said, said that she rag Irish water. She's wondering, Does anybody know what is going on? I could tell you what is going on. There was, there's repairs ongoing. There was a burst water made earlier, and it is affecting some apply to Castle Magna but it's also affecting Ballyhas Kipak Kipak South uh, Mallow Road Bettyville uh, Cantork and the surrounding areas and Irish Water are working on it as we speak and it'll be about 4 o'clock this afternoon before all of those areas are, fu- are fully back but certainly Castle Magna is affected by that burst water main earlier uh, this morning Okay number of people are reacting to Tim from Donneray who joined us in the last hour who is suggesting that non-vaccinated people shouldn't be allowed into hospital or if they are allowed into hospital they should be on a waiting list to get into ICU because he's saying he's vaccinated if he needs an ICU bed along with all of the other vaccinated people that the vaccinated people should be taken in ahead of the unvaccinated. Uh, somebody says is Tim from Donneray delusional? delusional? He said 7% of the population is unvaccinated and then goes on to say that it's the 7% that is out there spreading COVID in clubs and at GAA matches. So by his logic, the 7% are the only people out there attending uh, gatherings. Gatherings, that simply is not uh, true. Uh, no, I think, yeah, I think what he was trying to get across was, and it's the point that's constantly been made by the likes of Neffet and, and Paul Reid, is that the amount of unvaccinated who are in ICU is disproportional when you think that almost 50% of people in ICU are unvaccinated. They're coming from 7% of the pop- population. That's the point that's constantly uh, been made. Somebody else, Margaret says, I agree 100% with Tim. It might not be a popular opinion, but he is so, so uh, right. John says, I agree with your last caller, Tim. There are too many people using forged COVID certs. It's easy to get to get them. All you have to do is take a screen uh, shot. There should be some way that you can take a screen screenshot of a vaccinated cert says uh, John and then when I made the point to Tim that what they're doing in Singapore from the from the 8th of December they're giving people a warning in Singapore that if you end up in hospital COVID related unvaccinated you've got to get charged for your uh, care and Tim thought that was a great idea somebody says tell Dick from Donneren that he should go live in Singapore so some people are agreeing with him but others are not agreeing now lots of other issues coming in let me get to some of them um, uh, Patricia lots of other comments coming in should I say Patricia people need to cop on 
I witnessed three working men on three separate occasions going into a local shop in West Cork in the last week, not one of them wearing uh, masks. Uh, The owner of the shop needs to get his act together and ensure that all customers entering their premises are wearing masks. The same shop I entered yesterday and I was met by two teenage girls also inside the shop, neither of them wearing masks. Is the shop exempt from the guidelines? I am personally not entering the shop anymore as I believe masks and hand hygiene are the way out of this uh, COVID. But what you should do is you should draw attention. You should say it to the owner, manager of the shop and you can do it a very polite way. It's like what we're saying to people if you go into a shop and there isn't hand sanitizer, point out to the shop that you're out of hand sanitizer because they may not be aware of it. But I would point out and to them and tell them, tell them straight out, you lose, you're going to lose my business unless you're asking, actively asking people to wear their masks. And the one, the one I've noticed on the wearing of masks is that people are not wearing their masks correctly anymore. You'll see it slipping down on people's noses or under people's uh, chins. We need to get back to the basics, though. You're certainly right on uh, that. On the all of the restrictions coming in, obviously Neffet says this texture knows that COVID only spreads after midnight. Uh, they're guaranteed that people now will end up going back to house parties instead. I have never claimed the pop payment. I've worked right throughout the pandemic. I haven't had one sick day. And now I may have to stay at home if I'm deemed a close contact within the household. That's one of the new restrictions coming in. Uh, another point, we, we have to produce all of our COVID certs and ID. But the question I often ponder on what about the staff? Are the staff in those premises vaccinated? And we have looked at that before and there are very few businesses who are insisting that staff have to be vaccinated. Now listen, we've 93% of the population, almost 93% vaccinated so we assume most people you come in contact while out working is vaccinated but they could be part of the 7% that are not um, uh, for sure. But yes, that's the change that got introduced. It comes in I'm assuming everything is coming in from Friday isn't it? That if you are deemed, if you're fully vaccinated and deemed a close contact, a household close contact, you have to restrict your movements for five days. A Donna Rail Lister says, not all pubs are going by the rules. I was in a pub in North Cork last Friday. Never before in there. I wasn't asked for anything. All the hand sanitizers were empty and everybody was sitting around the counter. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And that's always been the advice. If you go somewhere and you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, then move on, move on. And then to, for you remember earlier, somebody says that they got their booster vaccination at their GP practice, but they didn't get any card. And they were wondering, is there a card? And I was asking for those that did. Getting kind of mixed reaction on this. One says, Patricia, I got the card when I went for my third jab and it was marked additional dose, not booster. And yes, it, it that's exactly what it will be because it is an additional jab. It, it, it certainly won't say booster and it's Pfizer and Mid- I think there's a small amount of Moderna but in the main it's Pfizer is what being, is what being used so it just goes down as additional dose of uh, Pfizer so yes uh, so there's somebody who did get a card somebody else says I didn't get no, a lot of other people by the way texting in to say they did get uh, a, a card including Mavis to say Patricia my husband had his booster about a month ago he was given a card just confirming he had the jab it had the date on it and his name I'm getting mine tomorrow says uh, Mavis uh, thank you uh, Mavis uh, good luck with that and uh, yeah others are saying that um, there's just so many of them coming in there's others saying that they got a card and it was smaller than, than the other card 
Another said, I got my booster. I know I didn't get a card. Uh, and yes, you do get a card with a booster jab. So I think it depends on what GP practice you're actually in. And then on the restrictions that are coming in from Friday night for the pubs, the late bars and the nightclubs having to close at midnight, Richard says, I have no pity for the publicans and the restaurants owners. They have, now you have, to, you have to say, Richard, some of them have brought this on themselves. I have been to a few public houses since everything reopened and I've never once been asked for proof of vaccine. I attended a funeral last week and we attended the afters in a local pub slash restaurant. There was about 100 people there. And guess what? Not one person was asked for proof of vaccination. So where do you go from there? If publicans and restaurant owners played by the rules all along, instead of just assuming that everyone was vaccinated, they would have nothing to complain about today. The majority of what is happening now is all down to them. Says uh, Richard, OK, no sympathy at all for the poor old uh, publicans. 1850 Hi, Patricia, would you give a shout out, please, and ask anybody over 60, anybody in the Mallow area get, getting their boosters or have a date for their boosters? Mallow area, I know they're slowly working through the 60s. Has anybody in the Mallow area been called yet for your booster jab? And I'm assuming people are being called to the city. Is that where the vaccination centres? I know certainly last week when we were talking about this, where people are being called to the city to get their vaccine jab. Anybody in the Mallow area over 60, have you been called yet for your booster? Can you let us know, please? Anne is waiting on hers. Hi, Patricia. This is what I was querying. They say you also need a booster as well as an additional dose. OK, this is a card that somebody received. National COVID-19 vaccination programme, COVID additional dose, COVID booster uh, dose. OK, that's just the card that they're using at the moment. Um, and there's a, there's a box underneath it to say there's a booster dose, but it's additional dose. But it, it's been deemed an additional dose. Will there be another booster dose given? Only time will tell. Patricia, how much were those home test antigen kits that you bought at the pharmacy? I got a box of them, five for €25. They were selling individual ones for €5.99. I've seen them in, I was in which, what supermarket was I in? They were on the counter. Aldi. I think Lidl had them as well. I saw them in Aldi and they were cheaper. They were three ninety nine for individual ones and twenty nineteen ninety nine for a box of five. But I got them at the chemist and it was a box of five for uh, 25 uh, euro. And remember, if you're deemed a close contact, you'll get the box free. They will be sent out to you. Mike in Malice says, Morning Patricia, I play hurling and football and I'm constantly saying when you are marking a player, you are up close and personal when you're marking that player. You're sweating, in some cases bleeding, you're breathing in very close contact, closing nightclubs, says Mike. I think it is an absolute joke. Thank you for that. And Neil says, Hi Patricia, the poor country and city publicans they should encourage people to come out earlier in the evening by dropping their prices. Having restaurant style early bird specials and discounts would that not encourage people to come out earlier and then they'd be well home by 12 o'clock plus you could bring back the early morning houses the early morning houses which used to open at 7 in the morning sincerely yours is near. 
Yeah, I don't know. Do any of those early houses still still exist? How anyone would want to go for a G&T or a pint at seven in the morning, I can never understand it. I know a lot of the early morning houses, they were for people that worked night shifts, weren't they? Wasn't that traditionally what they opened for? And it was people coming off a night shift and they'd be headed to bed for the day so they'd go and have their few pints because if you work night shifts, your days and nights are, are flipped over. I don't know, Neil, how successful that would be if they decided to open up the early houses again. But your thoughts welcome to 1850 Derek in Kilmallock says, why can't nightclubs start at 7pm in the evening and finish at midnight instead of starting at half 11 and finishing at 2 or 3 in the morning? Would people prefer to go to nightclubs? If they, Would they go if it opened at 7pm? John and Mallow says, I feel at this stage the government are out of touch with what is happening. How can you not get it be COVID before midnight if you're in a pub and everything will change once midnight comes. Are they going to tell nightclub DJs or the bar staff to go get a job washing dishes? Well, that basically was what Regina Doherty said yesterday when she was questioned about the fact that the people who will be losing their jobs after Thursday night when the late bars and the nightclubs are going to have to close and when she was asked about will you reintroduce the pub payments because they're closed to new entrants, will you reintroduce them for that cohort, for that industry? She said no because she said there's lots of vacancies in other areas so people could go and find a different job instead. Kathleen and Nimick said the crowds that were at the Aviva at the weekend why did no one ask should those events have gone uh, ahead? They surely should have been stopped. We had a big soccer match and a big rugby match. Both had crowded uh, capacities. And Tony says, I got my booster jab. All I got was a booklet to read, but I didn't get a card. Mary says, I got a small card, half the size of the original one that was at the uh, doctor's. And by the way, on that census where... John's friend was stopped on the Cork Kerry border. There was Gardaí and civilians asking questions about where his friend was coming from, where she was going to, and her air coat, and she went along a merry way, and a big sign up saying a census. We were, John Paul has contacted the CSO because it's the CSO typically does our normal census to see if they know anything about it, and we will keep you posted. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs. Drivers and helpers are wanted. It's for refuge collection. It's in the Mallow area. Call Brian 086 382 Machine operators slash general operatives wanted. That's for Allied Profiles there in Quartertown in Mallow. CVs to info at alliedprofiles.com. The Montsecure Hospital in Cork, they've got a vacancy for a basic grade physiotherapist uh, for weekends and bank holidays. Call on your ride on 021 4801664. And a taxi driver is wanted to work in the Bantry area. PSV licence is essential. Please contact Lee at 0868556189. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. And by the way, make sure you stay listening to C103 because our next big way to win is coming. And we've got your Christmas covered with this one. We'll give you all of the details kicking off next Monday morning with Ken at 8.15 only on C103. 
Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Motor insurance companies have been accused of exploiting the pandemic to pump up their profits. Insurance companies saw their profits jump to a 10-year high last year, mainly due to the fact that most people were forced to stay off the roads due to lockdowns. Michael Kilcoyne is chair of the Consumers Association and Michael uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning to you, Patricia. Now, last year, many of the insurance companies rebated com- uh, customers with gift cards. I think I got yeah. an, an all-for-one voucher for €30. Euro. I was thrilled. Yeah, you wouldn't get too far on it. <laughs> could they Could they have gone a bit further with that, do you think? They could, yeah, they could. It, it was it was an insult to people, really, giving them €30. Euro, like. And then uh, I was really taken aback this morning. I was asking Ken, who presents our breakfast show, uh, his company, he got nothing from his company. So not all companies even did that. No, no. Some companies didn't give back anything. No, no. They they held on to it all. Um, but it de- depends on what company he was with. It may be a company that was charging a lower rate. I don't know. Um, but But you see, people still paid their insurance premium last year. Um, even though they couldn't travel any further than five miles, we had no choice. I know it was it was laid down by the government, so that meant that your risk of an accident was reduced substantially. If you could only ch- travel five miles, risk of an accident was reduced substantially. Therefore, the risk um, um, for the insurance company was much lesser. The chance of you having an accident was less, uh, but they still charged you as much as they could get out of you. You know. But then, and did they did they pass on savings to us this week? Has there uh, this year? Hasn't there been talks of there is some kind of a reduction in car insurance premiums this year? Very little, and it's done in such a complicated way that you'd need to be uh, a mathematician um, and to work it out. A, a bit of Einstein as well to work it out because nobody knows except themselves. But you see, these guys are let let away with it all the time. They can do what they like, and they are doing what they like. Um, and just like the banks they're a financial industry in Ireland and you can do what you like practically and their profits last year uh, Michael were increased again yeah unreal I mean just yeah. un, uh, unreal I think it was at 159 million euro it was a 10 year um, high now I know the government is trying to get insurance companies uh, to lower their costs we've had the introduction of things like PIAP Pi is there more that can be done well, I think the government could be doing a lot more. They could say to these guys, "Look, you're 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 um, just um, uh, fleecing the ordinary consumer. You have um, charging rates there that are excessive. If you're not prepared to reduce it, then we'll have to do something about uh, getting competition from within Europe to come in here and try and um, uh, provide real competition in the marketplace." Or indeed, if necessary, government should, should be subsidising competition to get started so that these guys uh, are put under real pressure because they, they just don't care. Like, I mean, how, how can they justify them kind of profits like um, when, when there are so many people stuck? How can they justify charging people the premium that they're charging when the, the liability that they have has been reduced substantially because of lockdown and because people could travel less. They're just using the opportunity to, to grab what they can. 
And of course, for individuals, Michael, shopping around, I mean, there is no financial gain in being loyal to an insurance company. Oh, Shocking no, to say not. that, but that's it, the, that's yeah. it. If anything, it goes the opposite way because they see you as being loyal to them. So they'll take the extra few bob off you. Um, no, there's no benefit from that. And yes, there was a lot of controversy about that a year ago. But at the end of the day, I think it's a matter for the for, for the government, ultimately, uh, and the regulators to take it in hand and say, look, we want this sorted out. That's it, like. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Okay, and when I mentioned that you were coming on uh, this morning, somebody says, would you ask, Michael, about high electricity costs? Um, a lot of people, and there are a number of, of households that are fam- are struggling because of the whole pandemic and people oh, yeah. out of work yeah. and all of that. But electricity prices, I mean, there there doesn't seem to be a month go by that I'm not talking about some other company that's upping their prices. Yeah, um, Patricia, um, um, electricity prices have increased about 20% in the last year. Um, and at the same time, there's very little government is doing about it and, and there's a very simple reason why government isn't doing anything about it. Every euro that it goes up, government gets 13.5% of that in taxation. So the government isn't interested in controlling electricity prices and reducing it because they get 13.5% uh, of every uh, of every euro it goes up. Uh, and they're they're happy enough to take it, and they don't mind. And they get the same off the off the um, off the petrol and, and the diesel. You see, they they have it in such a way that it's a percentage of the price. So the higher the price goes, the more they get from it. And they don't give a damn. If they give a damn, they they would do something. The biggest lobby in the country, of course, is the the old age pensioners when they mobilise themselves and they need to mobilise themselves and they need to put the food into their local TDs and their areas. Their government TDs, their Fianna Fáil TDs, their Fianna Gael TDs, their Green TDs. Um, and say to them, look, if you don't do something about this, I'm not going to be in a position to vote for you or your party in the next election. And there is nothing that um, makes these guys sit up and listen uh, like when somebody says that to them. Yeah, you, you lose my vote. It's just not good enough. Yeah. Uh, if electricity is gone up, say, by 20 euro, government is getting 13.5% of that, 270 in, in taxation. Like. From, now, they, from, from, every house, <coughs> from every household and every business. Every household and every business. And they were able to reduce the VAT rate earlier this year, uh, last year, I think, uh, for the um, the um, hospitality industry. They were able to put the pressure on. And uh, yes, they were entitled to it. Of course, they are entitled to lobby and, and, and try and get what they can for the people they represent. And so that's 9%. If, if, if the government had turned around and said, look, the electricity, um, we'll, we'll just charge the 9% VAT rate. I still wouldn't be happy with it, but it to be a big improvement on the 13.5% that, that, that they're paying. Remember, Patricia, this is the same This is the same government. Or one of the parties, uh, two of them really, because two of them were in government for the last five years. We know that even though one was outside looking in and the other was inside looking out. Um, the reality is that this is the same government that uh, when the European Union said that um, Google owed 
huge tax. I think it was twelve billion for the Irish government. Apple. 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 Yeah. Apple. Yeah. And the, the Irish government decided, oh, you don't owe it, and and they went to the to the Supreme Court, and now I think they've gone to Europe to, to give it back. To, to give it back to say to prove <laughs> that they don't owe it. I know. I and, know. and yet, the poor old man or the poor old woman. Um, who um, I, 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 who is dependent on their electricity for their heat this winter? They charge them thirteen and a half percent VAT. Like, and it doesn't just have to be a poor old man, a poor old woman. It's no. fa- it's families with children. Correct, correct. Yeah. I agree with yeah. you. But I'm, yeah. I'm 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 saying that where say that you you have pensioners on fixed incomes, you have people with disability. Really struggling, income. really struggling. Really struggling. Nothing, you know, everything has gone up on them. Even many of these people, they might be smoking a package of cigarettes. Even that's gone up on them. So, yeah. uh, what I'm saying to you is that the government quite simply doesn't care. If it did, it would do something about it. Because Ireland would, and I'm sorry to say this, would appear to be a country where um the big organisations are led away with what they want. The small man and woman is crucified. And nothing will convince me otherwise. OK, and you're always uh, doing well to fly the flag uh, for consumers. We're coming into probably the busiest time of the year uh, is, for, for, yeah, for shopping, etc. And I saw a piece on the paper today with people who, even though we're always trying to promote and get people to shop local where uh, where possible, but we know that online sales, you can't always get everything locally. Uh, to make sure you check that where the business is based. Correct, correct. That's really correct. important this year. It is, it is. And if possible, if it's Irish, buy it here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and most things you can get made you can. here. Yeah, you can. Most things, yeah, you can, and support your local independent shops and businesses. Sure. God, Absolutely. they need they need it now more than ever. They Listen, need it more than ever. Michael, it's also a, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Look after yourself, and we'll talk soon. All right, Patricia. Thanks a million. Thank bye bye talk bye bye. That is uh, Michael Kilcoyne, who is chair of the Consumer Association of Ireland. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. I see a number of people by text uh, saying Michael Kilcoyne of the Consumer Association. He is spot on. I agree with him, says one uh, listener. 100% agree with Michael Kilcoyne. We should have that man in uh, government, particularly, I think, on his points about the high cost of uh, electricity. 1850 Now, during all of the various lockdowns during the pandemic, many people used Zoom to organise and to hold meetings or to hold uh, classes or just as a way of staying connected with other people. Well, my next guest was part of a group of knitters who met up every Monday night on Zoom. And to find out more, I'm joined by Greta Hickey of the North Cork Knitters Group. Good morning to you, Greta. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're you're welcome to the program. Were you in? Were you all involved in a knitting group before the pandemic? No, and some of us were, were and some were involved in um, last and craft knitting group in the Kale on a Tuesday night. Okay, and it's from that um, health worker that contacted um, the community health worker Noreen, or sorry, Pauline Noonan O'Grady, and she came up with this then in January of this year. Um, to put it on Zoom because people need to reconnect, you know. Yeah. So um, it was. I was contacted, and a number of other people were contacted. You know, would we be interested in going on Zoom? And from that um, group, 
it became big enough. Um, we had four ladies from Mitchelstown. We have a lady from Glenmire and all around North Cork, really. And, you see, and that, uh, that's the best part of it. You were able yeah. to come really spread your wings. Oh, definitely, yeah. And meet people, you know, converse with people that we didn't know, but we all had a common uh, hobby, like knitting or crochet, you know, and that, that's what broke the ice, really, you know. And so you'd have a, you'd meet up over Zoom on a Monday night, and would you have your knitting, knitting needles with you and be knitting away as you're chatting? Well, there was probably more chatting than knitting, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like it was good to reconnect with people as well and meet new people. And, you know, if per- a person was, you know, had a question about knitting, we'd try and solve it for them. We had total beginners to very advanced knitters, so it didn't it didn't matter what your ability was with knitting or crochet. You're always welcome to the group. And there's nothing better than sitting, sitting even if it's you're in your own kitchen and somebody else is in their own own kitchen. The experience of somebody to say this is how you do it. Exactly, yeah. You know, and sharing sharing the knowledge really, I suppose, and the experiences as well. You know, because some people were living on their own during COVID lockdown. Some people were in a family but felt alone. Yeah. Um. You know what I mean? So like it was an hour in the week where you could just chat to other people. You could bring your cup of tea along with you, bring your knitting or crochet along with you. And it was just total relaxation and a bit of a laugh, you know what I mean? We have a WhatsApp group as well. So, you know, that was connecting as well for us, you know. And now tell me about the COVID Blanket Project. Well, the COVID Blanket Project came about, we we were all knitting our own different bits and pieces and we had a discussion one night, what will we do? And it came up, why don't we all knit or crochet squares and we'll make this COVID blanket. Um, so I think there was, 60 to 70 squares in the end that were produced of all different shapes and sizes and two of the members then, uh, Elizabeth and Jane, uh, sewed it and put a board around it and it's absolutely fabulous. It's very heavy actually, we didn't realise it was so big in the end. Yeah. Um, so, um, but like there's a piece of everyone in it and especially um, one of our members, um, Martina, died during the year and it's dedicated to her as well because her squares are in it as well. You oh, know? So, that's yeah, really yeah, special. Yeah. That is it's really, really special. Yeah. Uh, special. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to put it on display? It's going to be on display in the library at the front window. Um, next Tuesday at 11 o'clock, it's going to be uh, launched, for want of a better word. Yeah. And you can see it there. Um, and just, you know, you can comment on it or whatever. It, 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 it's a masterpiece in our eyes. You know, yeah. um, because there's a bit of there's a bit of every one of us in it. Really. I'm, uh, you know, yeah. it's, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, and I'm assuming yeah. it's all different colours. Then is it? Oh, it's a, it's a mass of colours. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's whatever wool people had. There was no strict criteria for the wool. Um, just just do a square, and you could do whatever stitch you wanted to do in the squares. Unfortunately, my squares were a bit smaller than others because <laughs> I'm a tight knitter, but they, they ended up on the blanket on top of the blanket, you know what I mean? So it was lovely. Yeah, you know, lovely. I, I share with you now, back in my days when I used to knit, I'm the very same. I knit very tightly as well. Yeah. So I can identify yeah. with you on that. And we'll all know when we look at the blankets, the small <laughs> ones, that they're Greta Hickey's <laughs> with the tight stitch. Yours yeah, was, tight was tight. Stitch, yeah. Have you a long-term plan for the blanket? Um, well, we're, we hope to show it in Mallow Library and we're also hoping to show it in Mitchelltown Library and then we'll have an idea. We don't know what we're going to do so, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There will be, yeah. But we're working on other projects as well, Patricia. Like what? Um, we're working on a, a, a toddler muff project um, for the Alzheimer's Day unit there in Mallow. Um, it's a knitted muff, you know, like you used to have when you were kids that you put your two hands into. Yeah, keep it nice and warm. Uh, 
keep you nice and warm. But for Alzheimer patients, we've put in things like beads and ribbons and texture into the inside. So when they have their hands in the muff, their their hands are going, you know, they're feeling the different textures, feeling the texture of the ribbons, whatever. And these are going to go into memory boxes for the clients of Mallow Daycare or Mallow Alzheimer's unit. Um, so we're going to put in the likes of hand cream, which we got sponsored by a, um, a pharmacy in town for um, puzzle books, maybe jigsaws, um, Ireland's own, even old copies of Ireland's own. Do you know what I mean? Well and um, and were, you, were you approached by the Alzheimer's Society to do it or how did it come about? No, it just it just came up as another project, you know, that, you know, uh, especially the Alzheimer's Alzheimer unit in Mallow, because they're not opened at the moment. Yes, they're doing home visits and stuff like that. It's just a way to, to reconnect with, with their with their clients as well. Um, and I tell you, that's one day centre that's really missed. Yeah, really missed, you know, but they're doing the best they can. We yeah. had the nurse out from them there last week when we showed her the muff, the, the muff and um, she was delighted with them. Um, so we're going to get all these in the box. Now, the only thing is I'm finding hard to source boxes. Okay. To be honest with you, if anyone's out there that would like to source 40 boxes for us. What, si- <laughs> what, what size boxes are they? Kind of around an, a- an A4 size box. An A4 size <laughs> box. Size box. Okay. Bigger, anyone, yeah. anyone has boxes, yeah. please get in contact and we can put you in contact yeah. uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Gresha. Are yeah. you now meeting up in person, you bunch of knitters, you? Well, we, we only met up for the first time in person last week. Um, and it was great to see the women from Mitchestown and the woman from Glenmire. We were all there together. Now, we're still meeting every Monday night on Zoom. Okay. Um, the the project we're doing after the month now will be, um, we're constantly doing um, neonatal cardigans for the neonatal ward in, in the MCUH. Um, Premier cardigans and stuff. Um, they're, and the ti- they're the tiny, the tiny little, ones. little yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a pattern that you knit. You actually knit from the neck down. Um, okay. and there's no, there's no joins in the, um, in the wool because you can't have a seam where you have a, a neonatal baby, and you can't have a long sleeve either because they have tubes and wires. Uh, uh, and then we're also doing those um, octopuses um, that have the eight tentacles that um, you put it next to the baby on the neonatal. Yeah. And instead of pulling at the wires, which they uh, which they do seemingly, they pull at the octopus okay. and they're not pulling out their wires because even though they might be very small, they can pull out the wires that that, that they're connected up to. You know. So well done. Um, well done. You're, yeah. do, you're doing yeah. you're doing fantastic work. Are you always open to new members? Oh, we are. Yeah. yeah. They contact um, Pauline Noonan O'Grady at La Kayla or leave a message and she'll come back and. More like everyone's welcome. Soon, it's soon. Like you, you could have thousands on us. <laughs> yeah, you could. You, 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 yeah, you, yeah. you could. And I, and I love the fact now that you've you, that for for those of you that never met in person except on Zoom that you've met up again. Was there anybody looking at somebody? God, you're taller than I thought you'd be. Um, there was a bit of that. Like was you there? recognize, you know what I mean. You'd recognize the face, but all you would see. Yeah. From the chest up, if you know what I mean. It's it's fantastic. And my other question to you, is it all women? At the moment it is, but it doesn't have to be. Any man out there good with the old knitting needles or like to take I'd up knitting? There's a few of them went through school and they learned knitting along the line. They I'd did, say, yeah. you're right. Yeah, They're, yeah, you're yeah. right, they did. Listen, yeah. it was a, a joy to speak with you, Gretchen. Good luck with your 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 the North Cork knitters yes, uh, group. And uh, what day did you say it's going in the library on? Uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, okay. We'll keep a yeah. lookout for that for and a few sure people will contact the station. Uh, you can put them in touch with me and I'll, I'll put them in touch as well. Yeah, and especially if anybody's got those boxes for the Alzheimer's, for Any the memory box. boxes, yeah, if you could yeah, pass yeah, them on, that yeah, would be great. Yeah. Listen, yeah. thanks a million, Greta. 
I appreciate that. Thanks. Stay for safe. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Greta Hickey there from the North Cork uh, Nishers Group. It sounds like a fun, fun thing. And actually, when Greta mentioned about people learning to knit, it, I, I mean, I don't know if, if it happens now, but there was a time where boys in certain schools were taught how to knit. I think it was more mixed. If there was a mixed class and the little girls were learning to knit, sure, why not let the little boys uh, learn to knit as well? I don't know how many of them carried it, carried it on into adulthood, but it just reminded me when I was talking about school, I got some emails in from people who are organising reunions that have asked me to give a mention uh, to them. There is one going on. This is from St. Coleman's College, the past pupils uh, union in Formoy to say that they are hosting a 20 year reunion dinner. Now obviously they weren't able to hold one last year so they're holding a 20 year reunion dinner for the two years. So they're looking for people who were in the Leaving Cert class of 2000 and 2001 at St. Coleman's College in Formoy. They are hosting an event that's happening this Friday. Is this Friday the 20th? This Saturday. This Saturday the 20th. The evening will start with Mass at the College at half past six and then they're going to the golf club for a dinner and the numbers are obviously being uh, restricted because of COVID but they're trying to reach out they've done their best the only addresses they had for many of the classmates was the original addresses they're hoping obviously that there's family members still at those original addresses but they're all also conscious that they might be missing some of the pupils so anyone who did a leaving cert in St. Coleman's College in Formoy, the Leavenser class of 2000, the Leavenser class, uh, class of uh, 2001. They're trying to get the word out and you can find out more details on St. Coleman's College, PPU Formoy. Facebook page. And then I had an email in from Pamela to say she's organising a class reunion for next year. For those who attended the Convent of Mercy in Skibbereen, any time from 1973 to 1975, so kind of a five-year span, 1973 to 1975, if any of the girls are listening, would you contact Pamela, please? Now, her her email address is Clark at yahoo.com and we also have Pamela's mobile number which is 086 That's a shout out for a class reunion that is just been they're in the early stages of it trying to get the girls together. If you were one of the girls at the Convent of Mercy in Skibbereen from 1973 to 1978. Please make contact with Pamela in advance of that class reunion for next year. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to Yvonne, who has sent me in a little video of what that fidget muff that Greta Hickey spoke to us about from the Nishers uh, group. And they're making them for the Alzheimer's Society and for the daycare centre. And they're putting them into memory uh, boxes. And it's such a clever, clever little thing. It's like the hand knitted little muff that we will remember from our childhood. I don't know if children today, if you can even buy muffs. I remember I had a very elaborate muff. It had come in one of the parcels from England and it was fur. Oh my God, I thought it was the bee's knees and the cat's pyjamas with it and it kept your hands lovely and warm. But this is, these are specifically made for uh, people suffering from dementia and they can put their hands into it and there's all different little bells and different little t- uh, 
textures that they can feel really really clever I'd never heard of it before until Greta mentioned it thank you Yvonne for sending in that and actually somebody else was on with a suggestion for Greta who said uh, Jim in Balancolic this isn't a bad suggestion it says tell Greta who is looking for the to make up the gifts in the for the Alzheimer Daycare Centre in the memory boxes and she suggested it's an A4 size box that she was looking for. Tell her she contacts the local school because local schools have a tendency to use a lot of A4 paper and A4 paper they come in reams and the reams are in boxes which is a, which is a clever suggestion. Most some of them don't know if all of them some of them have lids as well so that's not that's not a bad suggestion uh, Jim if Greta wants to get on to local shops. Thank you for that. And we have an update for you when I mentioned at the top of the programme that a listener was on to say that they were driving over the Cork-Kerry border. They were heading back to Killarney recently. I think it was this week and they got stopped. There was a big sign up saying census and the Gardaí were out and everything and they had to stop and the driver of the car was asked some questions like where are you coming from where are you going to and they looked for the person's air code and then sent them on their merry way and they didn't know what it was about and they were and then when as soon as I mentioned it John Paul said he got a flurry of calls from people to say yeah they were stopped heading to Kerry as well and nobody could find out for sure what it was and the fact that the word census was clearly on the road the checkpoint where people were being stopped we were thinking could it have something to do with the Central Statistics Office because they are the ones who run all of our national census so we got on to them and they said straight away absolutely nothing to do with us but a lovely gentleman I don't have a name on him but a lovely gentleman working in the CSO office said to John Paul leave it with me and I'll check into it and I'll get back to you and he duly did and he's come back to tell us that the that, that particular census is being operated by the Kerry National Road Design Office and the Gardaí who were stopping people would have been Gardaí based in uh, Killarney and they have that census sign up. So they're kind of conducting their own census. What they're doing is they're undertaking a survey of where somebody originated from and the destination for all of the journeys that are passing through. I don't know if it's on a specific day or if they're doing it over a week or over a month or whatever. And the idea is that they're trying to gather up as much information as they can to find out what roads are used the most and therefore what roads are going to need further improvement because a lot of people are uh, using it. And it's happening, it seems, on many routes throughout Kerry at the moment. It wasn't just the particular road heading over the border, heading out to Killarney. They're doing it. So I'm assuming that it's come from the Kerry National Road Design Office. It's to do with the Kerry County Council. So it, it seems to be very proactive, does it not, on behalf of the council there, trying to find out what roads are used the most. And because because of that, trying to find out what roads will need uh, additional work. Could we do something similar here in Cork? I hear you cry. 1850-333-103. Lots of texts coming in to do with COVID and the new restrictions. And firstly, just to a couple of people, including somebody who sent in a text saying, Tricia, you need to isolate with that cold, you're deteriorating uh, badly. And John Paul said that when, for when I started the programme, he got a few calls in as well. Just to let people know, it isn't COVID and how I know it isn't COVID. I went for a COVID test 
along with Marsha on Sunday and we both got our results on Monday and they were both negative. It's just some kind of, with Marsha, I had to bring her to the doctor yesterday, bless her heart, she's tucked up in bed, happy out with herself. She's on an antibiotic because all of her sinuses are infected. Mine is just completely a head cold, you know, it's just a, all in my nose kind of thing. And hopefully it, uh, it'll stay there. And I am absolutely keeping away from everybody in the building. We're all wearing masks. I'm not in a room with anyone. I've come in to do the show and I will leg it out of the building as soon as I'm finished at one because we're all very conscious of not passing on any kind of colds. There's just so many different viruses, isn't there, at the moment. And I'll go home and dope myself up with um, Uniflu and all of that and uh, hot, hot, lemon drinks and I'll be fine but I'm, I'm feeling okay it's just it is completely uh, in uh, my head but it isn't COVID for fear that people think that I'm coming into the building with something COVID-like symptoms because I have been tested and I am negative. Okay and just on COVID you know there's been one of our, our listeners has been regularly texting us because her daughter ended up very, very unwell with COVID and ended up in ICU. And at one stage she contacted us to say we'd just say prayers because she did, at one stage it was really touch and go. She didn't think her daughter was going to make it. And I, I told her to keep in contact and let us know how her daughter was get, getting on. And in fairness to the woman she is, every now and again I get a text from her. And lo and behold, didn't I see a text pop in today to say that her daughter continues to improve because we know that she came off ventilation and she came out of ICU and she's continuing to improve. She's getting stronger every day. Uh, the walking is she's the walking is bad at the moment obviously she's been on a ventilator for quite some time and there's all the muscle tone you've got to re-educate your muscles again to learn how to stand and walk it's it's quite shocking if anyone that's ended up in that sort of a situation where you're on a ventilator for a long time, the effect it can have on your body afterwards. But she's getting there and that's the message. And I'm so thrilled to see that. So send your daughter on our best wishes and to you, the mammy as well, because no matter what age your daughter or your son is, for the mammies and the daddies, we never give up worrying about them, uh, do we? So good to know that she seems to be on the road to uh, recovery. Uh, hi, Patricia. Now the COVID doesn't seem to appear until midnight. Is that what we used to call the puka of old? <laughs> you could call it that, I suppose. Somebody has this booster jabs, Patricia. Do you need to register for them or do they contact it, contact you when it's your turn? They'll contact you. Just hold, hang tough. They will contact you when it's your your turn. That's from Nora. Michael says, how, how, how are you doing, Patricia? I'm doing fine. Thank you. We have gone from crazy to ridiculous with this COVID situation. Dare I say, from the ridiculous to the sublime. We walked into a complete nightmare last Christmas. I know we have vaccines this year, but vaccines alone, it's now clear will not be enough. We opened nightclubs when the figures were rising rapidly. The dogs on the street knew that the figures would fly up and they have. At the rate we're going, we're heading for a full lockdown. They can call it whatever they want, but that is what is going to happen as sure as night follows day. Sadly, those of us who have tried to do our best all along will suffer again for those who just threw caution to the wind. And yes, you're so right. The basics have slipped in so many ways, says, says Michael. Well, all we can do as individuals, Michael, is look after ourselves and our loved ones and let us all keep up the basics and keep yourself as safe as you can. And if you go into a situation where you feel unsafe, just walk on by, just move away. Hi, this is on the restrictions saying I need to go out. 
I'm fed up of being stuck in enough is enough. If people don't want to go out, that's fine. Let them stay at home. But I want to be able to go out. And someone else says, why is the hospitality sector always been targeted? And here they're being targeted again. Remember, clubs were closed for such a long time and COVID cases were still there before they reopened. Why are they being targeted again? Hi, I have said it. Oh, this is on the listener when I said uh, about going in somewhere and people weren't wearing their masks and I was saying pointed out you we should we should be pointing out these things and it's not always easy to complain or when something is wrong but it's the one way that things might change and I said the listener was saying they were in a shop and they saw three workmen go in um, th- uh, without masks and then they were in the shop only recently uh, yesterday I think and there was two teenagers in there with no mask on and I was saying point that because the person was saying they'll never go back into the shop again and I was saying give the shop keep her a chance and pointed out and this listener was back to say I did I said it to the staff and I was ignored by them the owner was actually on the phone close by and he must have heard me uh, also okay well you tried your best I suppose there's not, not, not a lot more you can do than that Hi Patricia if I go in anywhere and they ask me for my Covid certificate that's not a problem but if they ask me for photo ID I could be in a bit of trouble because all of my medical history including my Covid certificate doesn't matter anything that I have with my photo ID and the reason for that is that when I got married I decided to leave all my medical history as it was in my maiden name so I'm only hoping if I go in for a cup of coffee that they don't ask for the photo ID I'm in my late 50s so I won't be going to any nightclubs anytime soon you can actually get the name on your COVID cert if you want to go to the mother you can get the name on your COVID cert changed to the name that's on your photo ID but I'm sure if you present and your photo ID is you and the same Christian name is on it and you explain to whoever's questioning it. But if you really want it to be doubly, doubly sure, you can change the name. There is, it's a very simple, you can do it online, very simple procedure because I had to do it with Marsha because her name, her actual name that she's christened is Maria, uh, but we call her Marsha. And uh, she was born Maria. But in Belarus, all Marias are called Marsha up to a certain age and we decided then just not to change it. And so that's her name. Uh, but she's Maria on anything official. And I just got it changed and it was a very simple procedure. And within two, three days, I think, I had the new email out with the correct with Marie on it and I did it just on the off chance that we might be flying somewhere and I wanted it to match her passport not that we've flown anywhere or we'll be flying anywhere soon for sure 1850 some of your whatsapps uh, coming in to us hi uh, Patricia uh, would Regina Doherty take a drop in her salary? Now, this is with regards to Regina Doherty, the Minister for Social Protection, and what she said yesterday when she was asked about the pub payments is gone uh, for people who have been losing their jobs this weekend with the nightclubs being forced to close and the nighttime trade. Certainly people will be losing their jobs and they just have to go on the basic social welfare job seekers. And she was asked, could they not go, you know, would you not reintroduce the pub payment even for that industry? And she said no. And she said, sure, there's loads of jobs in other industries. They can get a job somewhere else. There's loads of, of vacancies. Well, Anne says, I thought that was a very insulting remark that she made to the good people of Ireland. The government have lost the plot. Closing early is not is only going to cause more house parties. What's the reasoning behind it? If people are going to get COVID, they'll have picked it up well before midnight. It's like the princess and the slipper kind of regards. I've heard so many people refer to it as that's the Cinderella 
Uh, Claus, thanks for that. Stay safe. And Catherine says, Patricia, people are gone so angry over this COVID coronavirus. They can't see that whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you can still pick it up and still transmit COVID regardless. And you can still end up in hospital. The virus isn't choosy as to who gets the virus. Everyone should be responsible for their own health and get on with their life as best they can, says Catherine. And you're right. If you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you can still pick it up. But you have the added protection that if you're vaccinated, there's less chance of you getting very unwell or ending up in hospital or ending up in ICU needing a ventilator or possibly even dying. So you are protecting yourself. But you're right, vaccinated and unvaccinated certainly can pick it up. Denise in West Cork. Hi, uh, Patricia. Good to hear that you and Marsha are safe and well. Thank you for that. In relation to nightclubs and late bars, I cannot understand the logic of it all. In my mind, it is not a time of the night issue, but simply a close contact issue with other people. If you're in a nightclub, think about it. Anyone who's ever been to a nightclub will know you're all on top of each other. You're out on the dance floor, you're all on top of each other. doesn't matter what hour of the night or day. If it's a nightclub, it's a nightclub and that is the setting. And no matter what they do with checking COVID certs and all of that, if you're in a nightclub on top of each other uh, you and someone has COVID, there is a chance that it will be passed on. So Denise fully understands why they've decided to do what they have decided to do. Hi Patricia, there are plenty of jobs out there. Regina Doherty is right. But until the relevant businesses and organisations decide to offer fair wages, everyone will continue to register for benefits instead. Care homes, for example, are finding it so difficult at present to replace staff, but they're unwilling to pay more than the minimum wage to the staff who in many cases are risking their lives daily by going in and working with COVID patients. They are charging exorbitant weekly weekly rates of over €1,000 to their clients and the dedicated staff members deserve to be rewarded accordingly. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that for sure. 1850-333-103. Keep your questions coming in for Peter Dowdle, please, because he's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. If you have a question for Peter, get that into us. When I mentioned insurance in the last hour, we were talking with Michael Kilcoyne of the Consumers Association and he reckons because of the profits that insurance companies made last year, he feels that motorists were being exploited because many of us, you know, barely drove the car when we were down to the two kilometre rule. A lot of people had the cars parked up and walked and said, got out for exercise, then driving. So, of course, they were going to make a lot of profits uh, last year. Uh, Dan was saying, and this is to do with making sure that you ring around. Uh, he got a quote for his insurance company, 470 at Euro. He rang them and said, cancellers are going to go elsewhere. They came back and said, oh, okay, okay, okay. We'll give it to you for 330 euro. Insurance companies are rip-off merchants, particularly to people who have been with them all of their lives. And that's something, Dan, we have heard time and time again. There is no loyalty. There's no financial benefit of being loyal to an insurance company, which is a shocking thing to say. So you do need to shop around or do exactly what you did there. I've heard of so many people doing that, ringing up and saying, don't even have another quote, but saying, I'm going to cancel that. I'm going to go somewhere else. And suddenly they'll come back. And the thing was, what's really annoying about it is, Dan, if you didn't, if you just accepted the 
quote and thinking, oh, shit, insurance is going up. I have to pay it. I have to have my car insurance. If you had just paid the €470, that would have gone into the profits of of the company. Whereas €140, that's a big, big saving to make. So go you. And then someone else was on to say that their their sons, this is a first insurance, God help anyone starting to drive and taking out insurance for the first time, €2,500. And I don't know if it was ma'am, it's mammy, I think, is texting here. When they decided to try and shop around and get a better quote, they got quoted €5,000. Isn't that just ridiculous? In many cases, you have young people. We're back to that day. It used to be like this many years ago and then it kind of stopped. We're back to the stage where we've young people learning to drive and driving for the first time and they're actually paying more on their insurance then the car that they're driving is actually worth. We are back to that stage again, which is truly shocking. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. We are looking for gardening questions for Peter Dowdell, please. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Not the Great Playgroup. Playground Group. They're currently fundraising and they have an Echo Room worth €2,000 up for grabs. You, there are raffle tickets available online at knocknagree.ie or you can phone Yvonne at 87 Mitch's Town Credit Union are hosting the launch of Terror from the Theatre by Frank Keating. That's happening this Friday night at 7 o'clock. Bingo is also on this Friday night at Mallow GAA Complex. It starts at 8.15. Your COVID certs are required for entry. And there's driving bingo at the Creamer Yard in Kildallery at Friday night. That's on at 8 o'clock. A Knocknagree Penny Dinners collection is being held next Saturday between 10am and 12pm in the community centre. Items acceptable are cash. Any type of perishable goods, also home baking will be accepted, new toys, Christmas cakes and you please ask to support because God knows Penny Dinners need our help more than ever this year. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. When I was talking earlier with Greta Hickey about the North Cork Knitters Group and how they met up on Zoom and they were knitting and nattering every Monday night and they decided then they'd get involved in a little bit of a project and they're doing a COVID blanket which is going to go on display this week in Mallow Library and she mentioned that they're dedicating it to one of their members Martina who she said sadly passed away during the year but Martina had some of the squares already knit and Martina's squares which I thought was lovely are actually in the blanket or would you believe Martina's husband John was listening to Greta and and talk about his late wife uh, Martina and he contacted John Paul and said he just wants to thank Greta and the rest of the knitting group for their kindness and he said that at the time of Martina's passing they actually sent a bouquet of flowers and he said their kindness was so warming isn't that lovely and now the fact that the other knitters are remembering their dear friend and John's beautiful wife Martina 
and with by dedicating the blanket to her there's something really lovely in that as well hope you're doing okay John it's a tough tough time uh, for you and God knows for anyone who's lost uh, loved ones in the last uh, year or so uh, it really is hard 1850 if you have any gardening questions can you get those into us uh, please um, Eleanor said she got her third booster jab she's not fully six months I think they're doing it between five and uh, six months but she didn't get a card either and she got at the vaccination centre in City Hall so it seems some are getting a card and some are, are not Mary had family members who travelled to the UK and she said they were shocked they were never asked for their Covid cert either leaving Shannon and nobody was asked in Manchester they did have to fill out their passenger locator forms in Manchester I thought that you were asked for your Covid cert on getting onto the plane was it not checked when you booked your ticket I wonder as well I know when you land it's not checked because the presumption is you got checked before you went on I thought they were checking when you were boarding I'm, I'm really surprised uh, by that Mary said that happened to family members of hers travelling to the UK earlier Maraid says more and more people she knows who are fully vaccinated are saying they won't get the booster jab. She feels there's mixed messaging going on and that is increasing vaccine hesitancy. She had friends of hers keep saying if they gave a promise you'd return to normality when the majority of people are vaccinated. Um, but then they that's what they promised. Then they reinforced restriction. Confusion ensues and people are just getting so frustrated. Well, I suppose it's the virus. Nobody can... can we can't just suddenly stand and say to the virus, can you go away now? We've all been we've all been good. We've all done what we said we would do. It's just, it's the way the virus is, unfortunately. The only thing I would say to you, Mairead, and to your friends is read up about the booster. The booster shot is really, really important. And, you know, I was listening to Leo Varadkar yesterday saying as well, he's one of the ones pushing that everybody should be getting the booster jab and the evidence is coming out from the countries that have given the booster jab. And we were looking to Israel because Israel had a massive spike in cases at one stage and they had, the majority were fully vaccinated. They decided to roll out the booster jab to everybody over 12 and their figures plummeted. They're down to a couple of hundred a day and they'd been wet up in the thousands when this other wave began. But the booster jab has certainly suppressed it and they said it was better than any lockdown. And now there is a report coming out from the UK because they're ahead of us on the vaccine on the booster uh, jabs and they say the booster jabs give more than 90% protection against systematic infection in adults over the age of 50. They know they're saying over the age of 50 because they started with over the age of 50 even though now from this week they're giving it to people over the age of 40. The findings of the new research show that two weeks after receiving a Pfizer booster dose protection against Systematic infection was 93.1% in those who had initially received an AstraZeneca jab and 94% for those that had received a Pfizer jab after two doses of either vaccine. Effectiveness against systematic disease appears to wane over time. Experts say that the vaccine effectiveness against severe outcomes such as hospital admission that that still does remain high many months after you got your first two uh, jabs but they have noticed particularly in older adults and those with underlying medical conditions that it starts to wane compared to healthy adults uh, and that's why they're giving it to the immune compromised and to, to the elderly at the moment but they are clearly showing that the effectiveness either 
for if you got AstraZeneca and then you get a Pfizer booster or whether you'd Pfizer the first time and then you get the Pfizer booster because it's Pfizer is what we seem to be using here as well. 93.1% for the AstraZeneca people and 94% for the Pfizer. So I, they're, they're, that's certain. They're the kind of stats that I like to see and hear about and they're the ones that are going to keep us all safe, uh, safe from ending up very unwell needing to go into hospital, needing to go into ICU, ending up in a ventilator are protecting us from uh, death. Uh, so there's a lot of lot of research now out there backing up how effective the booster jabs are. Marie, so that's what I'd be saying to you and your friends. Go check out check out the information that is there. 1850 I'm trying to get clarification on this for weddings in hotels. Will the music have to finish it at uh, 12 midnight? I'm sure that it doesn't have to but we're getting it doubly checked but you're going to have to bear with us on this one and then on Regina Doherty somebody says didn't Marie Antoinette once say let them eat cake Regina Doherty would want to remember that when she goes for an election next time round and somebody else says Patricia asking me to go to the city to get my booster jab will be a six hour round trip Wow, I take it you're coming from one of the tip of the the Mizzenor Bear Peninsula, is it? 1850-333-103. Let's park it there. Let's get Peter Dowdle, our resident gardener, to join us on the programme. If you've got gardening questions, get them into us, please. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
Okay, I see lots of questions coming in for Peter Dowd on the IrishGardener.com who joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. It's more like a spring day in the garden than it is the end of November, isn't it? Isn't it just unbelievable and how mild it's been as well? It's kind of, dare I say, unnervingly mild. Yeah, it is. It's 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 glorious to be out, and it's it's bringing us into December. It's it's such lovely weather. Yeah, I spent a day in the garden the other day, and you know something? It's actually good. I was exhausted now by the end of it, but it's just good for the soul. Well, you've had then you've had your your mental workout and your physical workout, but you're if you're exhausted after it as well. Yeah, but it, it really is, and particularly I don't know at this time of the year. I just think it's magic to be out in it when you yeah. can. It really is great. Okay, lots of people have questions. Somebody wants to know: Is it okay now? They've they've to to set slips from something like a flowering cherry, or is it the wrong time? Well, if you're set, like it depends. If I if I read the question right, in other words, if you're setting them, then I wonder: Are they slips that you took earlier in the year that have rooted? Uh, well, then, yes, they can be planted out now. Absolutely. However, if you're trying to take sips now, uh, it's the wrong time of the year. However, <laughs> I can go back on that by saying it depends on your definition of a slip. right? So what most people would regard as a slip or a cutting is something that they would take during the summer, which would be kind of current seasons growth. And you take it during the this summer season uh, and then most plants will root away quite easily from that. You can actually, uh, particularly as I mentioned flowering cherry there, you can actually propagate deciduous trees by what's called hardwood cuttings at this time of the year. Now, they're quite different to what we would refer to as a slip, if you like. Um, so you, you, take a, you take a cutting of much longer than you would in a summer cutting. You take a cutting of about 10 inches in length. The base of it is a node. It should be about as thick as your, your, your kind of baby finger. Uh, so again, it's this current year's growth. Uh, it plunge that in the ground, Trish, about halfway up. The top, the bottom and top should be a node. Just make sure you don't put it in upside down because deciduous, obviously, when it's a deciduous stem, it can be very difficult to see which way is up. Uh, make sure you don't put it in the wrong way. Um, about 10 inches pencil length, finger, finger or pencil thickness or finger thickness, uh, uh, and into the ground. Now, don't expect them to root for quite a few months. It could be the end of the summer before you see roots, but they will then develop into plants quite quickly. So, uh, hopefully one of those answers the question. Okay, and Mick Inglashin wrote to us during the week saying how much he enjoys your gardening slot every week. Thank you for that, Mick. And says, it would, would it be a good time to plant tulip bulbs? And also, is it the right time to prune hibiscus as it's gone a bit leggy? Um, with the hibiscus, I'm just trying to think with the hibiscus, they, they are flowering later. No, I would probably leave well alone on the hibiscus. You can prune it. The fact that it's gone leggy, yes, you can prune it and you can prune it quite hard. But I would probably wait to the far side of the winter because we're coming into the winter now. And particularly with the mild temperatures, if we prune it, you might be encouraging some new growth to come, which you don't want coming into the winter, particularly with hibiscus, as they can be a bit tender. Um, so no, leave off on that until I would say early March. Uh, and is it the right time to plant tulips? Absolutely it is, 99 years out of 100. And I'd say still yes, actually, for this year. But the, the reason I'm hesitating is because I find in my experience that tulips will do much better if they're planted after the temperatures drop. Um, so in other words, wait till it gets properly cold after the first frost, but whenever that's going to be. Um, so, so, so wait till that and then plant them, because otherwise you, they might come up a bit too early. Uh, they might think that they're in the springtime already with these temperatures. Uh, but on saying that, uh, you, you can't wait much longer. But but 
you still have plenty of time. Okay, and uh, the tulips will be gorgeous when they come up in the spring. Question for Peter, please. Having set conifer trees three weeks ago, would it be possible to move them as I've now realised I've set them too close together? Also, how far apart should they be? Is two feet apart okay? Uh, The first part of the question, can you move them now? Absolutely. They're only in the ground three weeks. So to all intents and purposes, they're they're not in the ground yet. Their their root system hasn't made contact with the soil around them yet. So absolutely safe to move them. Uh, In terms of how far apart, I absolutely couldn't answer because it will depend on the variety. So it'll depend on how how wide, depending on what conifer tree, if you like, was planted. you're, you're, I don't know is the short answer. A, a quick search online with the variety of what you've planted should answer you quite easily, though. OK, Dennis, listening to us in Oxford in the UK, uh, actually sent on a photograph of the of the plant to say, I planted this flowering plant, Syringa. Now, to me, it looks like a lilac. That's what yeah, it looks it's like. The, it's is the, it the a lilac? term for oh, a lilac. I think very much. Uh, it, it, Dennis said it never flowered. Any suggestions? Planted it last year. Yeah, you know, if it's only last year, then I would. It's just patience, Dennis. Um, I, I would say give it time. It will flower. They like a sunny position. Uh, feed them in early spring with with the, a good rich seaweed feed or an organic tomato feed uh, that would promote flowering but they will take a couple of years to establish and one thing to bear in mind is don't prune them so plant them somewhere where they shouldn't need to be pruned where you can get let them get as big as they want and, and they can get quite big now you'd leave, like you'd, you'd certainly allow three meters in height and probably the same in in width uh you, you won't harm them by pruning them but what i what i find is if you prune lilacs uh they'll give you lots and lots of new green growth and foliage but less flowers so the more you prune them the less they'll flower which is kind of interesting enough in that it seems unique enough to to, to syringas or to lilacs um but in answer to the question don't prune them uh feed them in the spring with a high potassium and high phosphorus feed and then i'm afraid the 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 the, the golden word in gardening is patience yeah and they're gorgeous there i love i'm a oh, big, I'm a, a big fan them. of lilac trees hi uh peter is it normal that my daffodils are starting to grow thanking you <laughs> That goes back to what we just mentioned yeah. a few minutes ago with the, the tulips. Yeah, it's the mild, te- the high temperatures. It's 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 uh, it's not abnormal. It's not. I mean, it's not that unusual that we get a, a mild November, but I do think we'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's not it's not that abnormal. The, the worst thing that'll happen is they'll flower early. Uh, but, but that's all. I mean, they'll be fine even if the frost comes at this point, or you know, if they're if they're a few inches above the ground and we get snow or frost, uh, they'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. It'll just it'll just put them back a bit. Okay. Something called a winter is it heliotrope. Heliotropia. Yeah. Um, it's creeping across the garden. What can I do? Says a listener. Very little. You know it definitely if you see it, Trish. Um, it's everywhere. It's a very invasive plant. It's actually a very pretty flower if you can learn to love it. It's a tug of a, of a weed. Um, and the flower, when it does flower in late winter, early spring, is very important to the bees at that time of the year. But um, it's one of these invasives that we're never going to get on top of, if you like. So so I suppose we need to learn to accept that in the first instance. Uh, what what one thing I have found is that it doesn't it doesn't tend to be a problem in lawn areas. So in areas that are being mowed or strimmed frequently, it weakens it and it just will not grow there. Um, uh, but in other areas where it is, the ground isn't being worked or isn't being turned or isn't being being mowed, it's just a question. I'm afraid of, of there's no magic wand for it. It's just a question of staying on top of it, keep digging it out, keep cutting it back, keep weakening it, keep dig- you de- you definitely know it, Trish. It's got a kind of the round leaf. It grows about eight inches off the ground. Um, 
and it's got this lovely white flower, as I say, in late winter, but it's, it's all over roadsides or, or wasteland. Uh, you, you see it everywhere. But in, in terms of it getting into your garden, it's as I say, there's no magic wand for it. It's just a question of staying on top of it by digging it and cutting it back. Okay. Somebody said, I did some lasagna planting of bulbs. What's lasagna planting? <laughs> yeah, lasagna planting is uh, it's a term given to like, if you have a pot, for example, you can do it in the ground or in a pot. But where you want, let's say, a pot and you, you, you have a pot and you want different bulbs at different heights so you'll get a kind of continuity oh. of color let's say from the the snowdrops in in january to right through to the alliums in, in in june so you'll have six months of color from the one pot so uh, the the bigger bulbs like your alliums and tulips will go you you plant down the bottom then you put another layer of compost this is your lasagna bit if that's you like clever. You put a layer of compost and then the, then then that's lower clever. growing bulbs and then more compost and then lower growing so yeah you, you end up with a, a lasagna if okay you like, different so layers that's, of that's exactly what this listener did but, she says, I don't like the untidiness of the foliage, as example, waiting for the daffodils to die back. Is there a way to keep them tidy or am I better off just swapping out the pots? Am I too late to do it this year? And by the way, there were a mix from Peter's own bulb selection. There you go. They're your oh, own well, bulbs. Well, well, thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Um, no, you're not too late to do it this year is the first instance. The, the only thing is supply, of course, is I've never seen anything like the the supply issues in the world of gardening that we've seen this year. I suppose several industries are saying the same thing. The whole world was sent home to go gardening about a year and a half ago. So so everything in the world of gardening is is scarce. So it's not too late to do it if you can get them. Uh, and I suppose, yes, in a blatant plug for the irishgardener.com, we do still have some bulbs left. Um, in terms of the untidiness, like when you, the daffodil leaves are dying back and, and you want to enjoy the tulips, that's nature, unfortunately. There's very little you can do about it. Well, sorry, there isn't very little you can do about it. You could just uh, cut cut back the daffodil foliage when when it's dying off, so it doesn't look unsightly with the tulips. But that's not good in the long term. You'll get away with doing that once, but you won't get away with doing that every year because the the, the nutrients from that foliage need to go back into the bulb. So, if you just want to do it once and then plant the bulbs out into the ground afterwards and let them do their own thing, fine. Uh, but if you want to, if it's something that you want to do every year repeatedly, I would say individual pots for individual varieties. Yes. Okay, Tim says, could you please ask Peter what he would recommend as a nice hedge? I'm planning to plant a bare root hedge soon. Sunny position, thirty feet long. Thinking maybe privet, hornbeam, or beech, but would welcome Peter's suggestions. Well, I love all three of them actually. Um, beach, a beach hedge is probably my favourite of all. It's the one. It's not to everybody's taste, but it's that one that that's got this lovely russety winter colour at this time of year. It kind of goes chocolate brown, lovely winter look. Hornbeam is the same. It kind of goes more yellow than than brown. But it's also a lovely one during the winter months. And then you have the privet, which is another one that I adore. It's it's an old-fashioned one, the ligustrum. Uh, you have the green or golden privet. It's it's. I might go to. It's hard to say. Give a definite answer depending on where you are, um, without knowing sorry where 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 it's being planted. But privet is a lovely one because it does have lovely flowers. Very important for bees. Nice scent off it. The only thing with the privet is uh, it's what we call a semi-evergreen. So depending on how severe the winter is, it may or may not lose its leaves. Um, like certainly up at the moment they'd be in full leaf but if we do get a severe winter they will lose their leaves the beech and hornbeam of course are also deciduous but they will hold their dead leaves on the hedge until the new leaves emerge in the spring so 
I, I'm kind of not coming down on one of the three. I'm saying I think any one of those three, They're depending on the situation, would, would be a lovely help. They're hedge. all good. This one made me smile from Ashley. Question for Peter, please. My friend gave me a peony rose and it looks dead in the ground. Does it die back and regrow or do I need to discreetly replace it? <laughs> don't discreet, don't dream of discreetly replacing it. No, it's absolutely what they do. They they die back at this uh, earlier in the year, they, but they're, yeah, they're, they're what's called a herbaceous perennial. And all that term means, Trish, is a plant that will come on every year, but the herbaceous bit means it dies back completely for the winter. So all the life in the plant is underground at the moment. So it, it can look dead, it can look dead as a doornail, but uh, but be confident that, that your friend's present will come back to life next spring. So and there's no need to discreetly replace. They are replace. stunning when they're in full bloom. Magic, yeah. really lovely. The colour of them is yeah. great. Dick wants to know about his crocuses. He set them in pots. Should they be outdoors now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they should be outdoors all the time. You wouldn't even start them indoors. You can, you won't do any harm, but there's absolutely no need to. They're an outdoor plant, so yes, outside. Okay, and can I? am I still okay to plant Mount Brescia bulbs now? You, you are if you want to. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Uh, and just with the Montbrecia and with the, the crocus, like don't be scared of planting things outside that should be outside. And don't be scared of the frost or snow. They'll all be absolutely fine no matter how cold we get. Uh, Mont- the reason I, I kind of chuckled when I said if you want to with the Montbrecia is because it's a beautiful orange flower, but it is an invasive or kind of wildflower. Uh, I love it in the countryside. I love it on the hedgerows and ditches, but I'd be slow enough to introduce it into an actual domestic garden because it can take over. But there are cultivated forms of it which will be much better behaved in the garden, if you like. Okay, all right. Uh, We're going to leave it there. I can see there's still loads, loads, loads of questions. But listen, uh, Peter will be back with us again uh, next week where we'll wrap it up for today. Thank you for that, Peter. Have a lovely week. And you, Trish. Thanks a million. Uh, we'll talk again uh, next week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com. A reminder to you that uh, C103's next big giveaway is coming, and we've got your Christmas covered with this one. You can get all the details tuning into the breakfast show with Ken Tobin from next Monday morning at 8.15. That's only on C103 but believe me we're, we're trying to do our very best to have Christmas covered for you with our next big uh, giveaway. And actually talking of Ken on the breakfast show, he is giving away smart speakers uh, right across this uh, week. You simply identify the smart song of the day and then you text or WhatsApp your answer and you could win one of these cool new smart uh, speakers. So make sure you're tuned every day to Ken on the breakfast show for your your chance to win Ken's smart speaker giveaway. Uh, only on C103. Uh, We'd great fun giving those uh, smart speakers away before. Uh, so more chances to win them with uh, Ken. OK, that's where I do have to leave you. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. And we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 to the Repetition Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.